Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I believe God will anoint this message to speak to you today because we do have this promise in Isaiah 55:11. My word I will send out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. As you listen to this message, let the word of God penetrate your heart so it can accomplish all his will in your life. Enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Good morning and welcome to Bethel. Where our job, our purpose, our mission is connecting people to God. We're going to pick up today. I'm I've, uh, honored. Uh, Pastor Rob asked me to uh, take this morning's service and, and uh, Christmas morning. And I'm going to pick up this morning on where Pastor left off last week, uh, talking about Advent. And we will be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. And if you know me, you know I'm like a crazy, avid note taker. My thumbs go high speed with this little cell phone. And I just sometimes, I usually sit in the back and sometimes I think, are we lost without him? Because we come in here and put all this effort into getting here and, and dressing and doing all this. And wow, do we, do we read the word along with the teaching or do we take any notes? Do we, do we leave even knowing what was said? What do we put into it? You know, do, did you get something from it? The only way you'll get something from it is if you determine to get something from it. If you determine that you're not going to leave the way you came in Jesus' name. So read along with the message, with the teaching. Take some notes. Find something that resonates with you that will help you. Find that one little tidbit. Praise Jesus. You know, I'm a children's church teacher also. And uh, so I asked this morning, how do we look children's church? What do we need today time-wise? And guess what they told me? They need a lot of time today. <laughs> so, I said, oh, okay. So, um, I'm going to teach uh, this morning on Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to jump back to the very beginning. I apologize to Matea. I didn't give her this. But I titled this little teaching, Commitment. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says, I'm going to change my Bible version here to match what we will have on the screen. So Luke chapter 1, I'm, I'm going to jump, jump back just a little bit. In the introduction, Luke chapter 1 says, Insomuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, 
Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So last week, we... Learned a little bit about Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist. And, but I jumped back in the beginning of Luke just to give us a little backstory that, so the author of Luke is who? Luke. Was Luke one of the disciples? Trick question. I heard a yes, pastor. That's why you take notes. So... Luke wrote what? Luke wrote Luke, and Luke wrote the book of Acts, the two books that talk more about the Holy Spirit than any other books. And Luke was a physician, right? And Luke's co-worker was the Apostle Paul. So we have a two-volume work by Luke, Luke and the Acts, and possibly in the original, Luke and Acts could have been side by side. We might have went Luke and then Acts back to back. Some scholars say Luke was written between 60 and 64 AD, which would have hit the eyewitnesses, the actual eyewitness accounts being documented. But then about the other half of scholars say it was between 80 and 110 AD, which could still hit some eyewitnesses, but they would be very old. But we know there was eyewitnesses, and Luke is one of the most precise documented writings that we have as far as what happened. So Luke was hired by an influential man. We see that uh, in verse uh, 3. His name was Theophilus. He might have been a newborn believer possibly, but more than likely he hired Luke to write these books and he might have received funding from Theophilus for his writing endeavor. So that gives us a little history of what's taking place here right in the beginning of Luke 1. So now we will jump down where um, Pastor left off last week. We will jump down to verse 26. And we're going to talk about Jesus' birth today. So verse 26 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We all know that, right? I actually did have one illustration this morning, and I'm looking back, and I lost her. <laughs> her mom is getting her. <laughs> so, the sixth month, 
we're talking about, I'll jump back to this while, we're, while I'm getting my illustration. The sixth month was the sixth month in the verses prior of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist that we learned about last week. So that is what, now we're in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy for John the Baptist. And the angel Gabriel was sent from God. So the angel Gabriel means God's valiant one. He's been in scriptures before. The, he uh, talked to the prophet Daniel in Daniel 9 and Daniel 8. Prior to this, he was sent to talk to Zechariah while he was ministering in the temple of God. And he told Zechariah, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, Luke 1.9. So this awesome, mighty, angelic messenger was probably a little fearsome to behold. There's two other angels in the Bible. There's one in Jude 1.9, which is Michael the archangel. Gabriel was not an archangel. And there's Abaddon in Revelations 9.11. So here we have the angel's announcement to Mary of her mission of motherhood. And this morning, May Lynn has agreed to come up here and not say a word and be an illustration for me. Thank you, Bob, for escorting her. If you would mind turning around. She's in my fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class, and she is 12. Huh? You're in the youth group. She bumped up to the youth group, and I didn't even realize. That's why you were not in here. Ah. Whew. She's 12. I just want you to take a minute and look at her. All eyes are on you, Maylin. And I've had her in my group, and I'm saying her name wrong. It's Maylin, and I always say Maylin. It's like Kean. I, I said it wrong. I always say Kean instead of Keon. Got to work on that. Is everyone, everyone taking this sweet girl in? Well, this is about the age Mary was. Sometimes that doesn't hit us. We hear it, but it doesn't really hit us. She was probably 12 or 13 when Gabriel came and spoke to her. Hmm. We, don't, we don't picture that in our minds. Thank you very much. I apologize for the mispronunciation. <laughs> Did I say? If we're not having fun, we're not having church, okay? Right? I mean, come on. What does Jesus say? How does Jesus say to get medicine and feel better and be healthy? A merry heart, laughter, fun, right? 
When do you feel good? When you get together with your, with your, with your folk and have a good time and laugh and carry on. So hallelujah, but we are going to learn something this morning. But I just wanted you to see a 12, 13-year-old girl. That was Mary that the angel Gabriel went to. Wow. So the angel's announcement we established takes place about six months takes place six months after Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary lived in the village of Nazareth in a hilly area southwest of the Sea of Galilee. And we're also told what? That Mary was a virgin, betrothed but not yet married. This gives us some clues about her age, 12, 13 years old. So she was a very young teenager when God spoke to her through the angel. So don't discount. And that's one of the, I wanted you to see her stand here. Don't discount those teenagers and those young ones, what they receive and what they have and what they share and what they say. Jesus, when did Jesus stay in the temple when mom and dad left him? That's a home alone Christmas story. Mom and dad left him and they were gone for a day and looked around and said, well, where's Jesus? Well, like, well he was, uh, you know, the home alone left him home. He was back at the temple, 12 years old, probably close to 13. He was probably about ready to get bar mitzvah. This is extra. So he's back and they're like, oh, we got to go back and find Jesus. So they take a whole nother day and go back. So now Jesus is a couple days. And then they take a day looking for Jesus. They just left him. Well, you know, they had at least four boys, a couple girls, maybe more. And so they just didn't even notice Jesus was gone. He was 12. And it said in the temple, he was asking questions. And they were amazed at the questions he was asking. And that's why he was probably at the, almost 13 in Bar Mitzvah because he was able to be in the temple and able to speak. But he was asking questions and, and sharing and they were amazed at his wisdom and knowledge. At 12, don't discount our teenagers. So he... Mary was betrothed, and betrothed, understand, we say, well, they weren't really married. Well, marriage in the Bible is not a ceremony like it is today. There's no vows, there's no minister, there's no rituals, there's no license, there's no registration. Today, for marriage to be real, it must be recognized by the laws of the state and recorded within the state. Well, it wasn't that way then. Marriage in biblical times was set up mostly for the mutual benefit of both families involved. And Jewish marriages were usually arranged and could be arranged when the children were very, very young. And the father of the bride and groom would usually be, begin this betrothal or engagement period when they were young and their feelings weren't taken much into consideration. Sometimes the, the two that were going to be betrothed never even met each other until it happened. And in their culture, the groom's father paid a price for the bride in order to negotiate the betrothal. In essence, he purchased the bride. So then when they were betrothed, they went through a period that in, in essence, they were, they were, it was like this long engagement, but they were married during that engagement, but they couldn't 
sleep together during that betrothal period. So there wasn't like some ultimate day when Mary and Joseph walked down and went before the priest and they had a ceremony and a marriage license. It didn't work that way. Um, that's a new thing to us. So the betrothal period, in essence, was a, a period of marriage, is the process of the marriage happening. So they were betrothed. And Joseph, we're still in the same scripture, Joseph was a direct descendant of David. Um, in Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38, is the exact genealogy of Joseph all the way to Adam. And the descendants of David, and it was prophesied about this, is Abraham, which is in Genesis 22, uh, Isaac in Genesis 17, Judah in Genesis 49, Jacob, Numbers 24, Jesse, Numbers 11, David, Jeremiah 23. Those were all prophecies about his lineage from those descendants. So, when we look at Mary... Her ancestry is a little more complex. It's not right out there for us. Mary's relative Elizabeth was probably a descendant of the high priest Aaron of the tribe of Levi. But some people say that Mary herself may have been a descendant of David and the tribe of Judah. Okay, Matea. Verse 28. So, and coming, again, this is Gabriel, coming to this 12, 13-year-old girl, and Gabriel says to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. All right, she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of situation was this. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Gabriel, the mighty angel, comes with the words that are grand. <laughs> They're words that would be shared with royalty, and, and Mary was kind of a peasant girl, we think. So he's like, greetings, you're, you highly favored one. Like, Wow. Calling her highly favored is powerful. What well, if an angel pops in here and walks over to Vince and says, Greetings, Vince, you highly favored one. That's like straight from the throne of God. That's powerful. The Lord is with you are the same words that the angel spoke to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And favor of the Lord, favor with God, means you are covered in God's grace. And Mary knew that. That favor meant she's covered in God's grace. So if you're a young teen, and the angel comes, and then he speaks these words to you, I think you'd be a little scared. 
And Luke says she was greatly troubled. She was confused. She was perplexed. That means in the Greek. The book of Luke is written from the Greek, but that's, I don't know. Gabriel counters with the words, Do not be afraid, Mary. And Mary just accepts that. Okay. All right. Verse 31 says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Wow. So here's what the angel said to poor little Mary. Like, ah, imagine all this. Mary, you're going to become pregnant. Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. Mary, the child must be given the name Jesus. Mary, the child will become a great person. Mary, his title will be the Son of the Most High. God first revealed himself to Abraham as the Most High. Six, he will inherit the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. In other words, he is going to be the king of the Jews, right? The Jewish Messiah, the son of David, who will reign over the kingdom. The descendants of Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, those are the founders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And number seven, his kingdom will never, ever end. He's not promising a lifetime. The angels saying forever and ever. Second Samuel chapter 7 says, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So Jesus acknowledges before the high priest at his trial that he was indeed the heavenly son of man who will reign forever, Matthew 26. And it was on the basis of this statement that he was condemned for blasphemy. That his kingdom will never end. That he will reign forever. That was his condemning statement. So at this point, Mary's head's probably spinning, right? Just, just an angel coming to you and you realizing it was an angel. But verse 31 you will be with child. I think, think Mary was stuck on that one. You're, you're going to have a baby. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary's words in the Greek don't use the word virgin. They use the word parthenos. Translated, that literally means 
I know not a man. So Mary questions the angel and says, this can't happen. I've not been intimate with the man. How will God accomplish this? Because the normal means of pregnancy isn't available. So what this angel announced was a miracle. And it's funny, in Connect two weeks ago, we were talking about what we all call the first miracle when they're at a wedding feast and Jesus turns water into wine. And someone in the group said, you know, maybe there was miracles before that that's not documented. So maybe this doesn't have to possibly be the first miracle. And we're like, well, yeah, maybe not. And as I was studying this passage, I thought, well, the very first miracle Jesus did was right here. So the, the angel, it's a miracle. So your response to that miracle can be, well, miracles don't just happen, so you're going to have to prove it to me. Or it could be, wow, that's amazing. How's it going to happen? The response of faith. Wow, that's amazing. How's, it, how's God going to do that? I know it. Who says, says that? I know God's going to do it. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I know God's going to do it. So there's those two responses. Prove it or I know God's going to do it. So some people say, well, we shouldn't question God. But Mary questioned God. Mary asked, asked the, Gabriel, How? How? Because when we question things, we can learn, we can grow, we can develop. <sighs> Questioning things stretches our minds, it, it stretches our hearts, it increases our understanding. You can question God. You can ask him questions. Questions and exploring questions, they will build your faith. At, at the connect groups that I'm part of, we ask so many questions. Wow, and, and that's really helped us to develop our faith. Even if the questions go unanswered, it will help you develop your faith. So Mary's question arose from, I believe, faith and not doubt. So what would your response be to Gabriel? <laughs> what would your response be of faith? All right. How are we going to do this? Or would your response be of doubt? Uh-uh. You have to prove that. Verse 35 says, The angel answered and said unto her. She asked a question. The angel gave an answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So the angel responds to Mary's question on the how. The angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Not in a sexual way, but as the Holy Spirit came upon 
the disciples in the upper room in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit will fall upon you just like it did on the day of Pentecost. The same word is used for the Holy Spirit in the Greek in both places. So things we think of when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being baptized with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms us. And the Holy Spirit fell on Mary. Verse 35, the power of the Most High is another way of saying the Holy Spirit while overshadowing her. That was a vaporous cloud that cast the shadow and the Holy Spirit exerted creative energy upon the womb of Mary. And you can read throughout the Old Testament the shadows and casting shadows. I won't get into all that, but, but the but what that means. So the shadow would be cast over and the Holy Spirit fell and the clouds were above her that caused the shadow and just creative energy from the throne of God brought Jesus to life. So Mary is human, but her child conceived by the Holy Spirit is holy in the same sense that God himself is holy. And it tells us that this child will be called the Son of God. This isn't figurative, son of, meaning kind of, you know, associated with. It's clear that Luke is intended for us to see this pregnancy as a divine miracle. And this is the Son of God. Now, I'm going to jump way, way back just because I, I like this and it's in some of my old, old teachings. And, but Christians call this, when Mary became pregnant, the incarnation. And it comes from the Latin in and carn or caro, meaning flesh. It's a wonderful mystery. The early, early church fathers struggled to describe this the same way we struggle to describe it today. And some of you have probably heard of the Apostles' Creed, and it's one of the things they use to describe this. But the Apostles' Creed goes, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And then if you jump way back before that, the Nicene Creed in 325 A.D., it, it talks about it with, a, with a, a little more clarity. And it says, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father, before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not be made, being of one substance with the Father. And, you know, those are really old, but they're really awesome in, in what they're saying. Um, and, and the Nicene fathers, they did their best to translate and describe um, 
the relation of Jesus to his father God, and, and that's how they tried to do it. And through their creed, it affirms that Jesus is fully divine. He's not similar to God. He is God in the flesh, incarnate. Verse 36, So after, before I read 36, after Mary gets this explanation, maybe Gabriel wanted to lighten things up and just share some extra stuff with her, right? There was reasons for it all, but, but he says, hey, I'm going to let you in on a little family secret. Your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. So like Abraham's wife Sarah, Elizabeth, Mary's elderly relative, and we say elderly, but she could have not been, she just had went through menopause, she couldn't have babies anymore. And so she was barren, she, she, couldn't have, she was childless. But God wanted to do a miracle there. And so Elizabeth's child, which is John the Baptist, this is all such incredible stuff, was a miracle baby. He was born of two senior citizens. And the angel tells Mary, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, she's six months pregnant, by the way. And then he says, because nothing's impossible with God. Meaning, you know what? If God wills it done, it's just done. It's, it's just done. So, and then the angel departed from her. Now, imagine what all is going through her mind. Wow. And she said, verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. May it be done to me, the bond slave of your Lord. In the Greek, that's doulos. It's one who is a servant and entirely at the disposal of their master. In Roman times, a bondservant could mean someone who voluntarily served another, but it usually meant they were in permanent position of servitude. Abraham, Joshua, David, Isaiah, they were all called servants. Check this out. Isaiah 53, 11 says the Messiah, Jesus himself, is called servant. So Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May it be just as you said. 
So here's this teenager. And she's facing rejection from her family, rejection possibly from her betrothed husband, rejection from her townspeople. She's going to bear child out of wedlock. So, you know, jump over to the book of Deuteronomy. You know what that tells us. She's facing being stoned to death. And yet she says, remember the little, she says, okay. Mary affirms what's been placed upon her. And she says, okay, give me this discipleship. I can do it. I can do this thing. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. So where's our, hmm, where's our allegiance every day? Where's our allegiance? Is our allegiance to our master? Are we the Lord's servant? Or is our allegiance to our own desires? Verse 39 says, Now at this time Mary rose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed, and there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary finds this out, finds out Elizabeth, we think probably her cousin, is pregnant too. She needs someone to share this story too. So she said, I'm going to go see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth lived in the village of Karim, And it's where John the Baptist was born. And it was 90 miles away from Mary's house all through the hill country. And Mary just found out she was prego. And she goes on a 90-mile hike through the hill country to see Elizabeth. Maybe her morning sickness had started. I don't remember when it starts, but right away. Soon. Okay. Soon. Thanks, ladies. Um, so she goes on a 90-mile hike to see Elizabeth. Hmm. So Mary visits Elizabeth in the Judean hill country. Several days journey. How long would it take you to walk 90 miles? And when she arrives, Elizabeth's baby kicks real hard. Boom. 
And then Elizabeth just speaks prophetically when the baby kicks. That's just, wow. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working in Mary and in Mary's life. The Holy Spirit was working in Elizabeth's life. When Jesus got around Elizabeth and, the, and baby John the Baptist, the, they were just, the Holy Spirit was just flowing. Wow. And Elizabeth just knew. She knew Mary was pregnant. She knew it, it was a miracle. She, she, you just see how the Holy Spirit, this story, you, we could talk on and on and on and on about these few passages of everything that God is doing. It's amazing. So in Mary, we see this amazing young teenager who God has entrusted to bear his son. And not just to bear his son, but the part we often forget is God trusted Mary to mother his son. She didn't just birth him. She mothered him. It takes me to the story when he was 12 and they left him. Was, well, God's scratching his head saying, hmm, now I trusted her to mother him. <laughs> but he trusted her to raise him through his growing up years. And Mary, at this time, she cannot understand the future. She just can't really quite understand this whole thing at all but she responds I am the Lord's servant a lot of times Pastor Otis we don't understand things do we I don't understand things probably more than I do understand things but we have to say when we don't understand I am the Lord's servant did you catch that Haley <laughs> I am the Lord's servant when I don't understand. <sighs> so how would you and I respond? Would we have the same submitted willingness as Mary when God calls us to serve him? Because it's not different now. It's not different. God calls us to do things. So do we just submit and serve him? Do we just say okay? Or do we say, no, you're going to have to show me. I'm going to have to understand. I've got to have the outline. 
Mary said, okay. She's probably going to lose her family, her husband, and her fa Oh, the marriage will be called off. So, you know, her family now, because the marriage will be called off, her family's now going to have to give a bunch of money to his family if she doesn't get stoned first. They're going to have to buy her out. That's how it worked. She didn't think about any of those things. She just said, okay. I mean... So you're like, well, yeah, if an angel visited me, it would be different, would it? <laughs> hmm. Wow, okay. To Mary... Mary was committed. So what, what does this walk mean to you? What have you been showing through the Word of God for you? So in what God has shown you for your life, is that causing you to commit or to simply pray about it and ponder and see what happens? Who if Mary would have said, okay, Gabe, uh, uh, I'll pray about this. Oh, we love that one, don't we? We're going to we go. We, yeah. Yeah, Gabe, yeah, I'll pray about it. We'll see. You know, got to discern these spirits. And I'm not sure if you're from God or not, but I'll pray, and, and, uh, and I'm not making light of prayer, but I'll pray, and i got to spend a few days fasting. And uh, we'll figure it out. And then you just forget about it. Hmm. God wants commitment. God wants us committed to seeing his kingdom take place. God wants us committed to living out the gospel. God wants us committed to him. Mary was committed. What will it take for us to commit? You really think a visit from Gabriel would do it? I think that most people in this room are born again. You know Jesus. You've accepted God. Jesus, this one that we've been talking about, lives on the inside of you. 
And we're waiting on Gabriel to come tell us something. But you have Jesus living on the inside of you. And we say, well, the Holy Spirit would come. The Holy Spirit is come. He's on the inside of you. We don't have to usher him down, pull him down, bring him down, pray him in, fast him in. If you know Father God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God lives on the inside of you. So are you committed? Does he live on the inside of you? I talked with a friend yesterday and she told me we're running out of time. We all are every day. Time goes by. We're getting older. Time just disappears. Two weeks ago, a young lady that was part of this fellowship passed away. She was 39 years old. Two days ago, a friend of mine, he was 67. He got ill and a couple days later he passed. Time is running out. Are we committed? I told Pastor Rob eight weeks ago, I'm 53 and I have to get about my father's business. So what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? What do you want? What do you want of your life? To do the same old things, the same old ways? What do we want to do here at Bethel? The same old things, the same old ways? Or do we want to be on the cutting edge? Do we want to be where we make a mark on our community? How, how many people know who Bethel is? I, I've always hear Apostle Mark say, if your church closed its doors, would anybody notice? Would anybody notice if we closed our doors besides us? Who has an iPhone? I'm getting off my... Who has an iPhone? Who has an iPhone 2? You know, iPhone 2. Does anybody have iPhone 2? Anybody have iPhone 3? What you got? 12s? Tens. What's the oldest? A seven or an eight? You have a seven. What do you have? Seven. Why does the church stay with their iPhone two? This church is an iPhone two. We're becoming totally irrelevant. We keep an iPhone 2. You all upgraded your phone, but we don't upgrade the church. You're the church. Why aren't we upgrading? We want the latest and greatest and newest stuff, but our, we don't want to have an innovative walk with Jesus Christ. Mary knew something happened. And you know what? She knew something happened and she said, I'm going to go see Elizabeth. She put it to action. She didn't sit around and say, oh me, oh my. She's like, nope, let's go walk 90 miles and tell somebody about this and rejoice with them. 
See, the word tells us that faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith there is. But if you don't do anything, you're dead. Do we want to come in here and learn how to change the world around us, our little worlds? We all have little worlds. Do we want to come in here and learn how to change the world around us? Or do we want to come in here because it's nice and it's comfortable and it's what I do and I like the worship and I like the people. It's always warm in the winter and cool in the summer. It's just, just my thing. It makes me feel better. Or do we want to come in here to help learn how to change our worlds? Mary received a word and she got busy. I'll put it. Why don't we grow Bethel? I sit down with our pastor this week and we're talking about connect. And I said, 2023, I can't start any new connect groups. I have to build and develop what we have and make them the best we can make them. Who wants to answer why I can't start any new groups? Don't have people. We're, we don't have people in our church to start new groups. So I said, we, we can figure out if we want to grow our church, then we can grow connect groups. Or if we want to stay the same. I think I have a 10. Because I didn't want to keep my two. Was a five. Oh, she said it was a five. I keep them till they absolutely won't do anything. But. I, it's like. If we want to keep the five, okay. I'd like to start more groups. I, I, I. But there's no people to pull from. We're maxed out. You know what? I'll say it. I, I wasn't going here, but we have it all. Look at this place. Probably should have killed the stream. Look at this place. It's gorgeous. It's big. We can fit 200 more people in here. We got, we're top notch. Everything's top notch. Our children's church, awesome. It's top notch. We got room and chairs for 200 more people. We have a facility down the road with a gymnasium. We just pay utilities to with gym and the building we can use. Well, we have money in the bank. 
We have 75 people here who would get behind me because I, I know the hearts out here. And I've got 75 people who would get behind me and go fight the devil in hell with a squirt gun. We've got it all. We got it all. So what are we doing? We don't have to wait on Gabriel. We just have to commit. If you just commit in your little world, you'll be amazed. <laughs> it, none of that was my teaching, but <laughs> it's it's. It's time for us to commit and to be the church. And you know, in a few weeks, we're going into a new year, and, and mentally that means things to us, but it's just, it's, but so that's a good time to commit to change. That's a good time to say, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll show Pastor Eddie that we can grow connect groups. I'm bringing people with me. It's up to us. We've got it all. We really do. We can go do it. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet. We just want to make sure we have an opportunity if anybody doesn't know who Jesus is. That uh, will help show you because remember, that's what we want to do. Connect people to God. So you don't know who Jesus is. You come up front or let me know or raise your hand or grab somebody beside you or grab somebody after service. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll show you how you can get to know Jesus. It's really easy. <laughs>
Just remember, Father God wants to lead, guide, and direct your path. The Word tells us that the footsteps of a righteous person are ordered by God, and you are in right standing only because of Jesus. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. You are in right standing, and God wants to lead, guide, direct your path. So let's let Him do that. Let's let Him do that. Does anybody have anything for the good of the service? Father God, we come to you just thanking you and praising you for this morning. And I pray that people leave different than they came in the name of Jesus. Father, encourage us, strengthen us, and give us what we need to change the world around us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.